coming at you. Hey now, it's the weekend. It's payday. It's time to grab a beer. It's Brewing Company. Roll the open. Today I was thinking, I'm either in the mood for a beer or standing in traffic. How'd the game go for me last night? I almost died. I was praying prayers I've never prayed before. She actually blind? Not blind, but she can't see. Is anyone else aroused or is that just me? Welcome in everybody and welcome back to the 51st episode of Brewing Company. I am your host, Matt Brubaker, and we've got a full roster here for the show today. We've got Shep, we've got Tyler, and we've got a special guest that we haven't talked to in a while, but we, at least for me, I always like his opinions and thoughts. And that is my golf coach from Ashland University, Darren Jones. Uh, we have plenty to talk about on the show today. Again, if you haven't heard, uh, Michigan has been in the news and continues to be in the news. So we'll definitely get at least Coach's thoughts on, I think it's been three weeks now. Coach and I, just for everyone else that uh, maybe doesn't follow us on Twitter, Coach and I have interacted privately like two people participating in extramarital affairs. I mean, we're sharing so many tweets and thoughts in our direct messages. I mean, Coach... Have I talked to you more than you've talked to your wife since this stuff came out? Yeah, it's really enjoyable, too. I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously, every time I look, like, oh, I got another from Coach. And please continue to send them, because I think you follow better people than I do. But I truly think that if someone looked at our messages like, hey, are they are they doing something they shouldn't? So we'll definitely get Coach's thoughts on this whole scum situation. And I've also got a couple of games for us as well. So I think we should start with one of them. Uh, gambling is now legal in Ohio for the last year, but we are going to play a game because gambling is legal of over under. Now this one, there's some highly debated topics in the country right now. Michigan might be at the top of the list, but I think this one is just under the radar and just under Michigan. And we're going to play a game of over under and our opinions on toilet paper over under because I'm a huge proponent of doing the same thing every day to keep a routine and to make sure everything goes properly. But when you throw me the curveball of the toilet paper being under and you have to maybe wipe quickly to go to maybe a meeting, I got to get out of there and I can't be spinning this damn wheel looking for the toilet paper. So I'm on record as over. What are your thoughts on this? Because I want to know where maybe not where America stands, but where we stand. Uh, it's it's over. Over is the correct answer, and I will I will physically wrestle anybody who uh, says otherwise. <laughs> so the opposite of an Iowa Northwestern over under. Tyler's going the over. Iowa Northwestern is always under. Coach, what about you? What's uh, what's your philosophy here? It's weird you bring this up. I heard I literally saw something like two days ago. I never heard people refer to it as. They said, "What's your choice on toilet paper? Beard or mullet?" And I just, for whatever reason, I love that. But sadly, I got to say I prefer the mullet. My mom had it that way when I was growing up, and I'm just used to it. Okay. But I can understand why people would want it the other way. But I was like, I've never heard beard or mullet, but that's all I call it now. <laughs> that's, that's too funny. That's good. I just think because I've gotten used to over the years going for the, I guess, the beard. I, I think it's hard to like go back in there and, and reach 
when it's under. It's very difficult for me. You have to like contort your wrist in a weird way or even worse, go left-handed. My left hand is not smart. So we've got two for the over, one for the under. Shep, we can either go with a tie. You're going over. He's pointing north. You're going over. I'm going over. Uh, It's at home. I don't care. I mean, you could figure it out. It's it's not the end of the – I I would normally put over, but if you accidentally put under, I'll, I'll survive. It's when you're in a public setting that it becomes a problem. Those, those, never know. Uh, those are a disaster. Trying to get in there, and they've got these industrial size rolls, but they get stuck, and they're as, as thin as tissue paper. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the thin and the huge rolls. Did you ever take enough dumps at Sports Time Ohio to remember the toilet paper that they had? I probably did because I am absolutely a, a morning movement at work guy. Um, although I didn't drink coffee back then, so that would that's probably a little different. Okay. Um, but I'm sure it wasn't good. No, it was terrible. And it, yeah. and the wheel was huge. It <laughs> looked like a small tire for a kid's bicycle. But I made so little money there. And coach, thanks to our guy at Ashland, I, I had to take some of that toilet paper for the last like six months that I worked there because it's a way to save some money. So I would take this gargantuan wheel of toilet paper and it was like half ply, wasn't even single ply. But those types of toilet paper and in those settings are why I use way too much toilet paper as a as a consumer nowadays. You're just like rolling it around your hand because the last thing you want to do is have evidence on hand of what you went to the bathroom for. There's only one thing in the world that I will pay for a name brand in and that's toilet paper. Yeah. Don't give me any half apply crap. I can't deal with it. No chance. Uh, I had a roommate. We lived together for a month as I was waiting to buy my house. And her and I got along great. And we we had one fight ever. As, as I, She came home with Scott half apply or one ply. And I just looked at her and said, what in the hell is this? It's like, well, I'm not- <laughs> And then, and then her response was, "Your ass is that coddled? You need more?" I said, "Damn straight it is." <laughs> yeah, you don't go cheap. Well, okay, let's go around the room then. I'm glad you brought that up. Shep splurges on toilet paper. What's the one thing in your everyday lives that you have to buy brand name for, and you're willing to pay more money for rather than trying to save? Coach, what what is yours? You got a family of four. <clears throat> it's a it's a more personal thing, just because I'm on my feet all the time. Shoes. Okay. Older you get, you like your your shoes have to not suck. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to save your back, your hips, everything else, anything that's like like that, like shoes, your bed, um, stuff like that, just whatever, wherever you're spending a majority of the support for your body, that's that's and the toilet paper too. Like I mean, put the extra dollars into. Here's a here's a more important question for you: Do you go with the new fashion trend like Connor Stallions and buy Nikes? And kind of hide the fact that you're wearing Nikes by doing the three stripe Adidas look. Have you done that yet? No. No. Okay. Next um, pair. Next pair. We had um. Actually, I, I do the the worst thing is I found a pair that flawlessly fits me. That's a, a type of New Balance. Yeah. I buy like eight pairs of them. My dad, I think, has three pairs of Under Armors for the exact same reason. So yeah. that's fair. Like, like this fits perfect. Give me all of them. All right. So we've got toilet paper. We've got shoes. Tyler, what is your, I'm not going to try to save money on. This is my, my name brand I'm going for. So it's funny you bring that up because I am typically generic till the day I die. 
I'm a firm believer that most like food items in particular, it's all made. It's the same stuff, just different boxes. Uh, and my wife, my wife hates that, but pizza rolls and pop tarts, you got to have name brand pizza rolls and you got to buy actual pop tarts. Kroger brand pop tarts are garbage and off brand pizza rolls can burn in hell. <laughs> they probably burn in the microwave too. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I asked this question. I don't even know if I have an answer to it, but I think I'm probably going to have to go with, and this might make me sound really snooty, but I've got two answers. One of which is Pro V1s or tailor-made TP5s or 5Xs. Next time in Columbus, I'm going to roll through Costco. I'm going to buy you some $25 Kirtlands, <laughs> give them to you, and you're going to be blown away that for 30 bucks for 50 balls, you're going to be hitting something just the same as a Pro V. No, I've heard that. And, and I know that I guess the technology and the patent, I think, might have been stolen by Kirkland. Maybe Connor yeah. Stallions took that. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's more of a superstitious thing. The other thing is, I don't remember the last time I bought golf balls. Thanks to coach. He gave me a ton of, them. so you're really helping me out coach. I, and I appreciate each and every half dozen or dozen you've given me. Yeah. My kids this, do too. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we still keep in touch. Hey, Jinx, you still got some pro V's from 2015 that coach donated to everybody. <laughs> uh, the second one for me is I have to buy the actual nike ohio state football jerseys you know tyler and i we saw a ton of jerseys down at the tailgate and at the game on saturday versus sparty and you see a lot of these gray jerseys with 32 or 18 or a couple guys are even supporting our guy six and kyle mccord but i know that's the knockoff one from china and i know it looks the same but to me i know it's not the same you can put the nike swoosh on there and you can put the big logo on the other side I got to get the Nike ones. I, I just, I have 21 of them in my closet. I'm not about to break that trend now. So I know I might sound, you know, like a stuck up white kid at this point, but I'm going Nike football jerseys for the Buckeyes and either Pro V's or TP fives on my golf ball. Uh, I, I do think the TP though is one you can't, you can't chimp out on. You gotta, you gotta take it and you gotta spend the money because at the end of the day, you want to come out clean both in the, uh, in the Southern region and on the hands. We can talk a little bit quickly before we talk Rutgers and Michigan State. I think I think I made the joke last week when we were talking about the difference between Kyle McCord as a young quarterback and an inexperienced quarterback. He's not a young quarterback. And I mentioned that if someone came up to me, he's like, bro, you're a young guy. I'm not a young guy. I'm, I'm closer to death than I am to birth at this point in my life. I'm 35 years old. But I was looking for, as I was talking to one of my friend's dads at the watch party two weeks ago against Rutgers. I remember Shep when Tressel was did coach. You might know this better than me. Did he resign or did Ohio state fire Jim Tressel? He resigned, but they made yeah. him resign. That was, okay. yeah, that was a forced resignation. So distinction yeah. without a difference. It's, it's, yeah. It's like resignation. So you can go out with dignity and correct. you made the decision, but he, he got, he was forced out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was talking to my my friend's dad that I actually had one of the press releases of his resignation letter and he signed it and it was sent to us. It was sent to Gene. So Gene gave it to me afterwards. He goes, here, you might like this. I'm like, well, I don't like the nature of it, but it is cool. And I kept it. Well, I think I've since thrown it away because I was looking for it for the last week because I wanted to show my friend's dad. Couldn't find it. But I circle back to that whole conversation about young versus inexperienced and me not being young or old. I have an idea on what people should do when they go out on a first date. 
Most of the time when you go out on a first date, you don't really know the person. Maybe if you met them on a dating app, you've texted with them and gotten to know a little bit, but you never know who the person is until you meet them. I found one of my letter of recommendations from Coach, our guy at Ashley University. His name will not be on this podcast ever, but I found one of them and it struck me. I think for the single people out there, I think we should be able to bring a letter of recommendation to a first date to kind of prove who we are. They're not going to say, oh, Matt's a terrible person and he farts in his sleep and and he talks too loud. They're going to tell the goods. So not to toot my own horn here, but I would like to just read this letter of recommendation. And you guys tell me if this would sell me to a first date. It says to whom it may concern. Or I would alter it by saying to the future Mrs. Brubaker, I would like to take this opportunity to tell you about Matt Brubaker, a senior at Ashland University, who has asked me to uh, write a letter of recommendation for him. In his four years at Ashland, Matt has served as the lead play-by-play broadcaster on the campus radio station for the football and men's and women's basketball teams. He has hosted a weekly radio show, written for the campus newspaper, and completed an internship in my office. Uh, He thrived in each of these endeavors, establishing himself as a hardworking, detail-oriented sports journalist. Matt has spent just about every day at Ashland doing everything possible to make himself better. His work ethic is second to none. In the past several weeks, I have had our football coach and both of our basketball coaches stop by my office to tell me how much they will miss him next year. Matt is extremely personable works well with people, and has a knack for building strong relationships with coworkers. He interacts well with people from all walks of life. That's why I like old people. Matt's greatest asset is his desire to improve. He is constantly looking for ways to expand his knowledge and for opportunities to become involved in new projects. Matt does not believe in taking shortcuts. I'm just going to leave the, the sex jokes out of that line. In his preparation or in his personal life, he will never embarrass an organization or be caught shorthanded. Matt has tremendous potential. He is the type of young person organizations or females are anxious to add. I feel as confident in recommending Matt for a position as I do anyone in the 18 years I've been at Ashland. You tell me if I brought that to a first date at like Shake Shack and I gave that to Claudia, you don't think she'd be ready to play a little game of Lockjaw or Buck and Bessie go home and fix the stove later? She's got to be on board with that. All right. <clears throat> so you show up at, at Shake Shack. And you hand her that letter, she's going to go, so we're not going to have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Brew, I think it depends what shake you order. If you remember the shake I told you to order, you got a shot. Yeah, but I don't remember the name of it. I know what it (laughs) consists of. But some of the things that are in there seem to, they could translate to the working world or into romantic relationships. Now, I could try it. What have I got to lose? If it doesn't work and it fails like the rest of them, I'm I'm in the same spot I am right now. But I mean, they're I mean, I'm getting talked up here. The only thing that would be better is if they did it in person. You bring someone to like vouch for you in person, like, yeah, this guy is it's pretty solid. He thinks he's funnier the, than he is, but he's pretty solid. That's what you need. You need the what's the guy in the like the um the street ball videos, the little hi- the hype guy with the <laughs> microphone. That's what you need for, for your dates, just walking back <laughs> back and forth by the table. <laughs> You're on to something here is stage your letter of recommendation. You take her to, to a restaurant. One of us is in the room. We bump into you. Oh, this guy. And you list out the letter of recommendation. And now you've, you've yeah. blended both of them here. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good advice. And here's the thing. 
you know, at Michigan, the phrase is, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's their phrase. But I was told at Ashland by our women's basketball coach, who's now the women's basketball coach at Michigan State. She said, nothing changes if nothing changes. So everything that I've done in the previous 35 years of this pursuit has not worked. I'm thinking this letter of recommendation right here might be the next step. It could fail miserably. But again, nothing changes if nothing changes. So what do you think? We already did the over-under. It was three to one over. Let's take a vote of the three of you. Do I do it? I I I like it. I think it's a it's a it's a bold move, Cotton. I'm interested to see how it plays out. <laughs> I got but one. the other thing. Okay. If you if you want to take it into the 21st century, and I, I bring this up because my my wife's nephew, we just got sent his uh his recruiting highlight reel that he made for baseball. Yes. So just do one of those. You know, hey hey, I'm Matt Brubaker. I'm 35 years old. This is X Y and Z. And you just got like a a reel of you like doing house chores and buying flowers and, and whatever, whatever else you want to show off and list your attributes in the opening. That could be another app. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of putting it on huddle, I upload it to the new website, cuddle. All right, we're jumping into some Ohio State football. The Buckeyes at this moment are 10-0. and And I have a thought, at least on the Rutgers game, that I will bring up at the end. So, Coach, since you're the guest, uh, I just want to hear kind of maybe your assessment of the team through 10 games now. What are your thoughts as we get to really the most important part of the season? I think the general the general view I've got of the, of the team, and it has been maybe for the last year or two, I, I don't understand our personnel management. And I understand you've got a lot of talented guys, especially at running back, wide receiver. I, I don't understand the running back rotation. I don't understand how Carnell Tate comes in, looks great, and then never comes on the field. you got guys like Julian Fleming, for example, is one who never really seems to do much, but he's always getting reps. Xavier Johnson comes in, and am I the only one that notices? I mean, we talk my in my house, we talk about this all the time. Xavier Johnson comes in and goes, oh, look, end around. You just, it's, it's a guaranteed handoff 75% of the time. Yeah. It's wild how weird our, our personnel management is. And Ryan Day wasn't like that early on. We had this very dynamic offense, did a lot of stuff, you know, really got explosive. And now I, I don't get what we're doing. So that's that's kind of where I am. I, I've, I've never been so uncertain about a team in the last two years where I just don't know what I'm looking at. And I don't know who's going to show up and who's going to be the star. Or who I mean, You don't seem to have a workhorse. Even with Marv, you don't seem to really – put him in a position to get open very often. I mean, you guys that go to the games, you look at the receivers. I don't see a lot of design plays to get guys free, to get guys open, to create space and separation. It's it's a very odd team, but they seem to be doing very well. That's kind of the thing with McCord. He's on paper, stats look good. You watch him and you go, man, none of the passes look like they're super crisp. He's always a little behind, a little low, a little hesitant. Um, his pocket awareness isn't great, but he seems to kind of make it happen. And I always feel like I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. The thing that interests me, I thought that McCord was probably one of his best games of the year overall from how it looked on paper, how it looked with your eyes and, and just an overall like good body of work. But I think what Tyler mentioned, I won't take the credit for it because he brought it up, is if there's any pressure on McCord, he, he's he's pretty much done. Yep. And where we saw it was, and this is really the only 
bad throw slash play that I remember from the Michigan State game. The only throw that I thought was terrible was the one that cost Marv the trifecta or the hat trick after the deep ball, which I asked a couple people over the last few weeks before the Michigan State game. When was the last time we threw a deep shot downfield? Yeah. And I think I remembered through a few friends that it was the Maryland game. And it was an underthrown ball that Julian right. Fleming had to slide into second and make the catch. Mm-hmm. But the one that he threw to Marvin to start the third quarter was beautiful. But his his throw, I think it was on third and eight to Marvin, which if you're watching on TV, it had been the near side back pile on. No one pressured him. Four men on the defensive line. No pressure. He takes two steps and just fades away and throws it. And it was short. It was underthrown. And Ryan Day talks all week and every week about if if McCord's footwork is good, he's great. Well, it's been now 10 weeks and his footwork is still not good. So whoever the quarterback's coach is, that's on him. I know we harp on the guy that we see on camera and on the field for 10 weeks, but some of it has to be on the coaching staff. But if he would just set his feet and step into throws, that's textbook one-on-one stuff from elementary school, football and baseball. Step into your throws, you get more zip on it. One, one last point on McCord. Yeah. And and this is – I get everybody doubts the guy. I'm I'm bad on doubting too. I the too. one thing that keeps me kind of coming back to him, it seems like when there is pressure, like the end of the Notre Dame game, yeah. some of the ones where he has to step up and just let it fly almost in a panic way, he's better. Yeah, and you can see that like underlying talent, like it's there. He just is not letting it loose, and I mean that's some some athletes are like that. Their whole life they just don't let it go. Yeah, you can tell he's got the ability, but there is something here holding him back. Whether he's hesitating or he's, I mean, and that's when you talk about him being, uh, you know, not a young quarterback, an experienced quarterback. But when it comes down to it, it's crunch time, and he has to make that like last second decision. It is on point and a good throw. I've said for three or four weeks, it's like he's buffering. Yeah. Like when when he's got to process stuff, it's it's not great. But when he just has to let natural instincts take over and just, hey, play football, he's actually really damn good. What I'll take us back to the Rutgers game is, I think I found a blueprint for how to beat Ohio State. And it's what Rutgers did but you have to add a passing element to the strategy. You need to be physical on both lines, offensive and defensive line, control the clock, run the football, don't turn the ball over, and occasionally hit passes, and have the competency in your quarterback position and your skill pers- or skill players at receiver. And to be honest with you, what scares me is that's what Michigan has. So, Shep, I know you didn't have as much of, I guess, input from the Michigan State game. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago from Rutgers? What were your thoughts? Maybe as an all-encompassing two weeks. Yeah, I had to I had to watch that game on my phone, if you guys remember. So that was very interesting. You've but had I, a rough I, couple of weeks on your yeah, phone and then really not at all. It's been tough. It really has. Uh, being an adult sucks. No, uh, but uh, yeah, that it game does was suck. Rough. A, you're right. That's how you beat Ohio State. That's the blueprint. I think that's beyond losing to that team up north two years in a row. That's what makes me nervous. It's not the booger eater and if he's going to be on the sideline or not. It's not the fact that they are uh, you know, they beat us two years in a row and we've got to go beat them. It's They are constructed to beat us. That, that's really what it comes down to. Now, this defense is the best we've had, so we're going to see that. But Rutgers really had a, a great game plan that way. They're cha- and you challenge McCord, say go ahead and, and let it rip. 
the difference is, is when they, they just, you know, they didn't have enough playmakers to, to make it happen. Like you said, they don't have the passing game. That pick six really changed everything that way. And, and oh, and at the end of the day, when you have Marvin and you have the best player for my money in college football, that's the difference there. So uh, a team that's inferior. I actually don't hate, though. I, I said this after the Maryland game, too. I don't hate that we got pushed around a little bit. I think that wakes teams up. I think when you have, because you can't lose in college football. It's not like in college basketball where you say, ah, you know what? Don't hate that we lost in the conference tournament. We're in the the regular tournament anyways. It's going to wake the guys up. Here we go. I don't hate that when that happens every once in a while. It is scary. It is alarming. But then to bounce back the way, the way they did against Michigan State, who I know absolutely stinks, but that's what you're looking to see. Tyler, I'll go to you next. And before I do, uh, we do have to crack the beers because for some reason I keep pushing it further and further into the episodes. Uh, I've got a Miller Lite tonight in my bruisey. Uh, Coach, I know you have the nice, uh, I don't know what they, they call it a tumbler. What the hell are those things that keep things cold for years? The Yeti. Yeti. Thank you. Uh, the honor, our honor defend. Also, we have to also just shout out the visual that we have here on Zoom. Chris is named Chris. I am labeled Matt Brubaker. Tyler is Tyler Reed. Coach is on, I guess, a new device, and he's named America's team. First of all, if you give yourself a nickname, I think you're an asshole. LeBron James, Jim Harbaugh. You're an arrogant asshole. But he's now titled his own team, America's team, because apparently in America in 2023, the people that have, I guess, committed some type of crime or cheating scandal, you are now the victim and we should all love you. So shout out to coach for being named today on the Zoom America's team. Uh, coach, what have you got in the honor defend Yeti there? Um, I have a um, an apple mead from uh, Zen B Meadery up in uh, near Polaris. Okay, I recommend you guys go there if you can. You can get a flight of uh, of mead there. I think it's like eleven bucks for four, you know, six ounce shots and try some stuff out. It's it's they got some good stuff there. They brew it all and then they. You go pick it up yourself. Now, when we get a flight there, are we still allowed to go inside? Because the last flight that Harbaugh took, he was not allowed to go inside and coach. So when we go there, are we allowed to go inside? You can, yes. Excellent. That's that's all I was hoping for. Shep, what do you have to drink tonight? I got a water. Pretty boring, I know. <laughs> Someone argue that the Miller Lite is water, so that's fine. Yeah, it's true. Um, Let's go down with water. I had plenty of these, plenty of the Rolling Rocks, and plenty of the Coors, Coors on the Saturday tailgate that Tyler was a part of. Tyler, what are you drinking tonight? Are you doing water too? No. Well, basically, I've got a crisp Michelob Ultra. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, that's I've, really I've close. <laughs> finally, from that, that housewarming party back in August or whenever it was, yeah. I probably had a 100 beers in this fridge that I've just slowly been working through. And I've made it down to the last the last twelve pack that I bought of, of Mick Ultra, Mick and they Ultra. are terrible. I do not like them. I would rather drink my own urine than a Michelob Ultra. Yeah, it just it tastes a little bit like water. And and I've said this on an episode before: when beers are going for a calorie count, if you're if you're in the game of trying to preserve calories while drinking, just don't do it at all. I said, just drink orange juice. If you're looking to be healthy. Drink orange juice. If you're looking to have a good time, maybe not it's in Michelob Ultra's cans, but it's in a beer can somewhere. Coach, what you got? So you like golf, especially in the summer. I didn't love the Mick Ultras. I got them. I got a six pack for uh, like a hot summer day. Okay. 
the water content's so high, it's near perfect. It, I mean, like, it really is, like, it's it's so light. You're like, you get that little bit of beer, but you, you literally don't feel like you're getting dehydrated, and you can just pound them. It's, I do recommend them, like, I looked at it and said, this is solid for just drinking on a hot a hot day playing golf. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. I, I mean, I'm always up to improve something that I already think I have a good grasp on. So Michelob Ultra, hot summer day on the golf course, yeah. is an A+. Plus. Yeah. Just good go, to know. Just go with the watered-down beer on the, on the golf course. It's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Tyler, since you gave us the, the last good laugh on the Michelob Ultras, I will turn to you. You can talk Rutgers or you can talk and maybe lead us into Michigan State altogether at once. But over the last two weeks, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? How do you feel as we're 10-0 going into the last two weeks of the regular season? Yeah, so I've got a, a couple of things to bring up about Rutgers and, and Michigan State. And the last one's kind of a conspiracy theory that may lead us on to the next conversation. And you'll have Ooh. to bear with me on it. But um, I agree with what, what everyone said about Rutgers. I think there was definitely some moments where you're kind of looking at it like, how, how is this happening against Rutgers? Um, they just had a good game plan. As much as I hate Greg Schiano, he's he's a good coach. He knows what he has to do. He dials in his team for each opposing team that he's playing, um, and he he knew the, the areas to attack. Um, the positive thing that I did see in Rutgers was that the team, the coaches, made some serious adjustments at halftime, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they, they didn't allow some of the big chunk play runs that were going on. But I think Rutgers, is, it's always just a wacky game. This one went a little bit longer than normal. Last last game, Michigan State, I, I think we, you, you've all kind of said it already, except Shep, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Offensively, it was, it was like watching last year's team. They just came out firing on all cylinders, did what they want, moved the ball at will, and, and played a really good first half. The second half after... It was pretty evident that was just Ryan Day just pulling back. He he was in no rush to keep trying to score. He was filtering in some young players, which is fine. At the game, we couldn't really see who was on the field half the time because of the the contrast on the jerseys. It was like, are they are they sputtering? Are they kind of stalling out? But they just he dialed back, uh, which is fine. But I think the biggest thing that that I saw that I liked out of McCord was that the throws that he was making were good throws. You put the ball over Marvin's back shoulder so only he can get it, let him make a play. The the touchdown to Cade, when you watch that back on TV, that ball was perfectly placed. I mean, mm-hmm. Cade was double covered essentially, but you still gave him a ball that he could he could make a play on and catch. Uh, and then the deep shot and the beginning of the second half was comforting to see because we just haven't seen that a lot. And then the defense still played lights out. I know Michigan State had a couple of good runs here and there, but they didn't – I think the stat I saw is Michigan State didn't get inside Ohio State's 32-yard line or 33-yard line. So you, you 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 held up when you had to. The The next part is kind of going back to what, what you and your coach were talking about, and it's a conspiracy theory, if you will, and it, it might be a little bit out there. I've noticed it a lot this season, uh, and it kind of makes sense with everything that's going on right now with Michigan. But I've said it a couple times to you and to Shep in our in our group chat. I've said it to people I'm watching the game with. Like Ryan Day is still heralded as one of the best offensive minds in college football, and you've got the best wide receiver room in college football, the, one of the strongest running back rooms. So it just hasn't made a lot of sense that the offense has looked the way that it has. And a lot of it, I know, there's some execution. The early part of the season, our offensive line was not doing a good job. But it got me to thinking, like, there's is there something going on as to why the offense is looking the way that it is? 
And so my conspiracy theory is that Ryan Day has just been playing vanilla offensive football, saving some of the creativity and some of the explosive dial-up plays for down the stretch when you need them. And that, that goes back into McCord too because the quarterback that we saw on that last drive against Notre Dame, when you had to, you didn't have a choice. You couldn't save anything for down the road. You had to get it done. He was immaculate. I mean, the dude was making throws, stepping up into pressure. The receivers were making just outlandish wild catches. Running backs were doing their job. And you just went back to not seeing that again. So part of me wants to think that, like, there's still something left in the tank. They're, they're holding stuff back. And then everything that happened the last three weeks of Michigan, you're kind of like, maybe there's, like, another reason. a little bit of – a little bit of validity in that in that thought that yeah. Ryan Day's known something. He's like, you know what? We're not going to even put it on film. We've got what we've got, and we're going to wait to use it until we need to. Didn't we think that last year? Like, why why after the bye week have we looked like garbage? Are we just saving everything for the Michigan game? And then the whole Michigan game, we're looking around like, where's this crap that we were saving? Like, what are we saving it for? You know, it's it's like the 40-year-old virgin line. Is it true if you don't use it, you lose it? In this case, we did lose it. It was to Michigan. So we had that conversation earlier on in the year, and then we also had that conversation after the loss to Michigan. And then the next game that we played against Georgia, Ohio State, they pulled out stuff that we hadn't seen. And they, it was a different team altogether, not defensively. They still, you know, yeah, crapped the bed. But yeah. So I know it's a little bit out there, and it's a conspiracy theory because – College football is college football. Coaches just want to win games. But yep. with how at, good... At all costs, apparently. And if you do yeah. that and cheat the system, you're the victim. With with how good Ohio State's skill players are and how good Ryan Day is, maybe it's just hope because I don't want to lose <laughs> to Michigan again. But like, There's got to be something they're holding back that you go out there on, yeah. on the 25th and you just pull stuff out that, that nobody's seen all year and you know get get more creative with stuff. This isn't anything that people haven't seen in 10 weeks, but I think the biggest difference obviously is our defense, but specifically within that defense, this red zone defense is outstanding. And to go back to the Rutgers game, just quickly, the nine points that Rutgers scored in the first half were all because of the offense or special team screw ups. And they held them to field goals. Each time they got to, I think goal to goes. All three of those, you could have been staring down the hole of a 21 to whatever deficit. Instead, it was nine to seven. The last touchdown that Rutgers scored, or the only touchdown they scored, was, I think, a little bit just <laughs> stupid penalties aiding the drive. And I wouldn't even say stupid penalties. I think stupid assessments by the referees, who, let's not forget, those are the same referees that when a ball was thrown to a Rutgers receiver, his toe drags into the end zone. And that's all that was good enough for them to call it a touchdown. The ball was out of his hands before he lands on the ground. And the announcers, who, by the way, were just as bad as the referees, they've changed it to a touchdown. Why the hell did they change it to a touchdown? The ball is laying on the ground in front of the referee, and they change it to six? I'm of the belief, Tyler, you called yours a conspiracy theory. I think that's just maybe logical to a degree. I have a conspiracy theory that referees are also gambling on these damn games. There is no way the guy didn't even complete the catch at all, much less the process of the catch. And they changed it from incomplete to a touchdown. So the last touchdown, my point is that Rutgers scored was I think aided by the officials. This defense is incredible. And that's what gives me almost more hope than the offense going up to scum country. 
And the other part about the defense, it takes the fumble Ruski play on what looks to be a bush push or a tush push, whatever you want to call it these days, to finally break that streak of no 40-yard plays given up. Well, I think the defense this year is the most well – it's the defense that's most well put together to stack up against Michigan's offense that we've had in, a, in several years. Even the games where we waxed them 62 to 28 or whatever, this, this defense that Ohio State has is, I think, the best – chance that they've got not a single team has been able to run the ball consistently well against yeah. Ohio State the front seven is just too good um our corners are incredible this year I mean they're they're really good and Michigan's passing offense is not anything to really write home about I guess according to the national writers they have a first round quarterback <laughs> well <Yeah>. on America's <laughs> team nonetheless on America's team yeah. on America's team he's an ass too if there's two people I would like to punch one with the right one with the left it would be Harbaugh and JJ McCarthy let's tie the bow on the Michigan State game because I know we didn't talk too much about it outside of the uniforms I think when Kyle McCord throws a good ball it's a it's a great ball there were two of them on, in the same drive it was a third and eight deep in their own zone he threw a nice out to Marvin before he made his break. It was beautiful. I told you that's an NFL throw. Same drive. The very next third down, it was third and six. From the left hash, he throws an out to Julian Fleming on the right sideline before he made his break. NFL throw. The deep ball, he just shows that he does have the arm strength if he steps into the throws. Maybe I should put it that way. But I'm telling you, Kyle McCord has the ability, like Coach said, if you just let him go and play, because I think what Michigan State and that whole game showed me is, he, like Coach said, he's got the ability, he's got the arm strength, and I think he's got the brains. I just don't want him to use him so much because it slows him down. Well, and he showed a little bit of that on that that first drive where you and I were cussing up a storm from CDEC because we thought he got sacked, but he <laughs> threw that little shovel to Cade Stover for a 13-yard gain. Six weeks ago, he would have been – on the ground with the ball rolling three yards behind him and Michigan State running into the end zone with it. But yeah. that he he had a little bit more composure, did something a little bit different. You know he's got the talent, he's got the wherewithal, but he just needs to do it on a more regular basis. Coach, any more thoughts from you on McCord? I, I know we've talked over the last three weeks in our extramarital <laughs> affairs about just Michigan. Maybe what's your confidence level in McCord, maybe going into Ann Arbor? Where do you stand on him being the guy to lead us to a win at Michigan, maybe a Big Ten championship and beyond? I am as uncertain as I ever have been of any quarterback. It's weird to sound, not in a negative way. It's, and I'm going to sound maybe a little contradictory here because I, I know he's making good throws. But I feel like when McCord makes a great throw, it's a okay throw. When he makes a bad throw, it's an okay throw. There's not a really high ceiling or yeah, or a low yeah. floor. It's just like it, it, somebody said this. They um, I heard on a, a radio show. They said that one of the things that they think people get upset with him is he's just so vanilla. If he blows a play, he has this kind of flat response. If he if he scores a touchdown, he has this kind of flat response. There's nothing really big about him, but. So you know it's there. I, I don't know if it, how many times you guys get to the stadium early and you watch warm-ups. I, I like to watch them doing their warm-ups. And I like to watch the quarterbacks throw. He's got an arm. He's mm-hmm. accurate. He, I mean, like, and I know anybody can do it in practice, but I remember him watching him when CJ was there. 
what making better throws. He can make all the throws. It's weird because you just look at him processing information. He's he locks in. He's got kind of that. He's a the first read type of quarterback, and he seems like it's just it's just that ever slight hesitation of. He's he knows now. I got to make the throw, but then he stops for a second. And goes okay, I can make it now. It's like no, no. Just, you should have already thrown it. That little second behind. I I don't know. I, I'm 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 so uncertain. It's but I, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I don't look at him and think he's Joe Bowserman. You don't think he can't do it. You think, oh, no, he's got all the ability. It's just play to play. Is he going to? I'm going to put you on the spot. Confidence factor, and this might be a little insulting to Minnesota, and I don't mean it to be, but we're humans, and if we're being honest, unlike Jim Harbaugh, I, I think we're not concerned about Minnesota. I think we just want Thanksgiving to get here stuff our face, fall asleep at 5 o'clock, get to Saturday, and then I just won't eat until hopefully we win. Confidence factor in Kyle McCord, 1 to 10, that he can bring home a W. 7.8. 7.8. You sound like Dave Portnoy doing a pizza grade. Uh, that's Tyler's boy, by the way. Shep, what's your number? Confidence factor, 1 through 10. I, I think that number starting with a 7 is is, is good. I'll, I'll just go with a flat 7. It's really hard, though, to grade this, and Coach, I'm sure you felt the same way here, but because my, my grade has the defense in it, too, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah, if you give me last year's defense and you ask me my confidence factor, exactly. That had five, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the defense is worth two to three points here. Just like, you know, you get three points for being the home team in the spread. I think the defense gives me a lot more confidence. If you, you know, if, like if you had if you had CJ with this defense, ten out of ten, I think we're winning the game. I, I'm going to go seven. I, I think the defense gives me co- more confidence in Kyle than Kyle does. But I also hope that you, like you guys have said, they let him let it rip a little bit. You can't go into that game and play scared. Play that game like they played the Georgia game a year ago. And I know different quarterbacks, different situations, all that. Uh, because the other thing is, we talked about you know you're the starter. Remember, we said that after two games, like you got to just pick a guy. They do. Kyle had his best game after they let him know he was the guy and no more Devin Brown. So it really, I, I think it, it is between the years with him sometimes. Is anyone else, when we're hearing coaches grade and Shep's grade of Kyle McCord, just go back to like the dating conversation? It sounds like we're like grading chicks. Like, I mean, she's decent looking. We'll give her like a six on the looks, but she's really funny, like sports. And likes the same movies I like. So I think we're going to give her an eight. <laughs> um, Tyler, I got to ask you yours from a confidence level. Again, no disrespect to Minnesota. If I liked water more, I'd be rowing the boat too. But what's your confidence factor in McCord at Michigan? It surprises me and it might surprise you guys because of the, the very hateful things I've said about him. And He's our, going and over just like the toilet paper. I guarantee you. Right. So taking the deep, taking every other factor out of it, because I just feel our defense is solid. I think the defense is going to do a good job against Michigan. I think my confidence in McCord is like an 8.5 because every time that he's needed to do it this year, in in the small sample size we have with him, every time he's needed to do it, he's done it. Yeah. When, when he had to make the drive that no one thought we had any business making against Notre Dame, he did it. When you, you were in a defensive slog fest against Penn State and it was slow rolling, when he had the chances, he did it. So 
we've got a small sample size, and if you're just looking at him, he's given us no reason to think that he can't do it. So I, I feel pretty good about him. And God, I hope in three weeks I don't look back on this and want to punch myself in the face. I believe that the Michigan State game was kind of half false hope game and half confidence boost game. Kyle McCord looked really good, and he should against that team. He proved to me that he has the ability, so that makes my expectation level go up. I just don't know if Mr. Pessimism himself here can fully give the grade any higher than than the seven that Shep had. So I'm going to sit right now and stay where I usually stay. I always say this in life, and unlike some people, Colin Cowherd, what I say is what I mean. I'm going to stick at my usual life expectancy outlook of a four. But if he delivers, I'm going to be over the moon. I'm going to find a way to get on my roof, and I'm going to spray champagne until I fall off of that roof. So you're talking about the field of team through 10 games. I've been thinking about this after you said it. I want you guys to take on this. More than the last 10 years now, does this not feel again like a trestle team? Running, you know, hard defense. It does. Running. I don't expect to blow out anybody. I expect every game to be kind of close, but it to be under control. Mm-hmm. I don't expect the quarterback. I expect the quarterback to put up some yards, but not, you know, throw way deep downfield a bunch. I expect us to be pounding it, be physical. Again, defensive presence. If the special teams is just a little bit better, it, it just feels like trestle ball again. Yeah, I and mean, what have I said the last couple of podcasts is, is exactly what Coach is saying here. Is Sounds like Coach listened. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> uh, we want to be Georgia. That's that's what you want to be is Georgia. At the end of the day, they are the team that's doing it the best, the most consistent, and they can beat you in both ways. They have the explosive offense, but they still beat you with defense, and that is the biggest difference. I Obviously, I want us to be able to grow back to add in the explosive, the fully explosive offense every week with the defense. But if you got to give me one or the other, we've tried it one way. Let's try it this way. And I, I'm with you. USC and Washington, ugh, I mean, it's just not – I don't have any faith in that. A, I think Caleb Williams is Kyler Murray. I do not think he's going to just show up in the NFL and do what CJ is doing. I, I don't. I, I look at him and I go – huh, what's the common denominator? Lincoln Riley. And this is the the type of quarterback that Lincoln has turned out. They're going to have great fantasy numbers, and they're not going to win a ton of games. That's just my my thought. The point being, yeah, defense. I I love the fact that we have a defense, and I will feel, if we make it through Michigan, I'll feel as confident as ever about what the college football playoff might look like. My last point on this is, Coach, we've said that. We've uttered that phrase. It feels a lot like the O2 team. And if this continues to be like the O2 team, we're going to have a guy that kind of resembles Craig Krenzel and and deliver a win that no one would expect. And if Ohio State wins at Michigan this year, I've said I think we would win that game despite him and not because of him. I think we win games this year because of our defense, similar to 2002. A quality running game, similar to 2002, and, and way better receivers on the outside. I mean, in 02, the best player on the team was Maurice Claret. This year, the best player on the team is on the same side of the ball. He's just Marvin Harrison Jr. The weird thing is, if Kyle McCord does it, that's wild to think that Kyle McCord would have one more win against Michigan than the guy that's tearing up the NFL right now. Not only could win the rookie of the year, but maybe backdoor MVP in C.J. Stroud. That's going to blow my mind. So we'll just have to wait and see. But 
from a confidence level, if he keeps doing it, how can we argue against him? And it's now time to talk about the assholes from up north again. I think this is what we need to do. This is going to be the last time we talk about this asshole. I'm yeah. sick of it. <laughs> At least on, on the podcast. Coach, we can still have our extramarital affairs on Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> Shep said it two weeks ago. He's just already frustrated with it. I think I'm two weeks behind Shep on the frustration level of this. It, it's just showing that arrogance combined with ignorance is very annoying. I understand if you're a Michigan fan, you want to support your team and you want to hope it's not true and you hope you want to beat it because Ohio State fans, we remember this very same situation in terms of getting over something and trying to keep your head coach. Totally different situation, but you didn't want to believe that Trestle might leave. But I'm, I'm about over it. I told my, I told Tyler, I said, I bet you the only people that are happier about this happening Outside of Ohio State is Michigan State. And the reason I say that Michigan State's probably thrilled is because before this whole thing, Michigan State was the talk of the college football world in off-the-field struggles. Noah struggles. And it was their whole, what's the guys, I asked you, that it's not Kenneth Walker's the head. What's the coach's Mel name that's gone? Mel Tucker. Thank, yeah, I, I will never remember his name. But they were the the talk of the town of college football. He's fired. Jimbo Fisher's gone. He's making the what seventy six million to not coach. Sign me up, by the way. I'll do it for seven point six. But Michigan State's got to be loving this. They are off the hook. They're good. No one's talking about him anymore. It's like the kid that poops his pants in school in like third grade. He's like, oh, I can never go back to this school. I I have to move. I, I have to I have to move. I have to leave the country. And then someone like throws up on another kid, and then that the poopy kid's off the hook. Michigan State is the poopy kid. They're off the hook. We'll do a stock rising, stock falling really quickly before we discuss the, the recent uh, facts, maybe, of this story. Stock rising for me in terms of people I'm respecting more over the last two, three weeks, Paul Feinbaum, Mr. Uh, Huge ears. The guy's got satellite dishes for ears. He's getting radio stations from Cambodia in his ear right now. Those things are massive. There's a reason he doesn't wear headphones like to cover your whole ear because he can't find any of them. His ears are huge. Another one that I have to really applaud is. I don't know if it's the production people, the directors and the producers of some of the ESPN shows, but I'm going to give the credit to the guy that I know stuck out uh, for me was Matthew Berry college football final Saturday night. I get home from the tailgate half asleep and he pulls out his cell phone after this Sharon Moore or Sher Sherwin Moore, Sherwin Williams, whatever the hell his name is. Matthew Berry pulls out his cell phone. He goes, is Jim Harbaugh dead? Why is he crying? What, what is up with this guy? So I got to give a huge shout out to a fellow Matthew and Matthew Berry. Shout out to Matthew Berry on Stock Rising. Stock falling, no surprise here. And he didn't fall that far because he didn't have much respect in the first place. Desmond Howard, uh, but Charles Woodson, stock falling big time. I always kind of respected Charles Woodson, at least more than Desmond. Now they're one and one A. But the guy, and this is another one. Coach just sent this to me probably an hour and a half before we recorded. Again, we record on a Monday. 
sent me the awful announcing tweet about Colin Cowherd on Monday in his recording after this Harbaugh presser about him talking about he's America's team and everybody likes an underdog that has to beat adversity. Cowherd is praising this guy. He's on his knees for Jim Harbaugh. And I told Coach, I always respected Cowherd at ESPN. I liked him when he moved over to Fox, but not as much, but you could tell California influenced him, and I don't like California. But after this, I mean, he's going for the ratings. I remember something Bruce Drennan said about the Cleveland Indians. And I'm like, that seems kind of egregious and a little over the top, even for Bruce. And after the show, Kevin and I, Shep, were in the back production room finishing up something to set up the recordings for games. And I was like, Bruce, that's that was interesting that you said this about whatever the topic was. He goes, oh, I don't mean it. I was just trying to get ratings, just trying to stir up the pot. That's what a lot of these media personalities do. There's a lot of people on the radio and on the television that say stuff just to get a rise out of you and to try to make sure they get a bigger paycheck next month. And I think what Cowherd's doing is just that. There's no way he can support the fact that someone that's cheated the entire sport and is now playing the ultimate defense and pushing the blame on everybody else but the ones that committed the crime. You're going to support that? That's not what America's been built on. That's the exact opposite. That's what it's becoming. So Cowherd is the ultimate stock falling for me. Uh, I know where Coach and I stand. I know where we all stand. Uh, but maybe Tyler and Shep Coach don't really know because you know they're not in the the direct messages. They don't know about the love affair that we have in, in secret here. So just share with everybody else, including Tyler and Shep, your overall thoughts and opinions, but maybe where you stand on not only what's going on, but what you think will happen. Part of it, you know, working in collegiate athletics and being around the NCAA, seeing how they operate. I also have friends who played and, you know, they, they still have contacts. Like when this first happened, you and I met up, it was, um, uh, the Penn State game, right? And I still remember talking about that at that time and going, I've never seen the NCAA come out, or the Big Ten come out this openly and aggressively to, to the point that you 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 get reported something and you immediately contact a team's future opponents and let them know. I've never seen that ever. The mounds upon mounds of evidence they have, the all the outcry right now of all oh, they're overreacting, they're doing everything. I only think they make the moves they make with Harbaugh because they know they have to do something to kind of protect the season. I wouldn't have even been shocked if they actually stopped them from playing in the postseason or, or something. They, they, they're trying to do as little as possible. But, I, I mean, I feel like they they know what they're going to do. They know they're going to absolutely destroy them. And, I, again, I, there's five million thoughts on this. The, 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 biggest, the biggest takeaway from it is, is this. I think the NCAA is going to kill them. What it, what it bothers me the most, what really gets me is it's the university's response, the fans' response. If you look at, like, at AU when I was there, our compliance officers were on top of things. They made sure that we complied with the rules. The rules are the rules. You follow the rules. That's it. They're not supposed to be fans. You hear about, like, Urban Meyer leaving Ohio State. One of the reasons is our compliance department went over and above. They they You follow the rules. The rules are the rules. What happened to Trestle? If that happened in another school, he probably wouldn't have had it happen because the compliance people would have covered up for him. Michigan seems like they're just scheming. There's never a denial of anything. It's, it's, it's very much that rich kid response where it's like, it's not that I wasn't speeding. It's like, how dare you pull me over? Do you know who my dad is? Do you know who I know? 
it's this exactly what you expect from a rich private school. It's top to bottom. I, I'm appalled by the the president of the university at Santa Ono, the way he's kind of just coming out. I understand supporting your your coach, but they're them and the board, the the just brazen way they're coming out and just attacking everyone as though they've done nothing wrong and playing victim. Actually, I don't know if anybody saw Ward Manuel, the the AD, their AD. I felt he finally the first thing from the Michigan side that I've seen at all rational and reasonable. His statement actually looked professional mm-hmm. talked about we don't condone this we don't want these things to happen but you know we still want to support our people i get that but that's the first time i've seen anybody say that what if this did happen it's wrong up until then i've never seen anybody say it's wrong and i just i can't stomach it's not even the, the cheating part i get people trying to like you try to steal signs try to do little stuff i get that but it there's there's this <laughs> this thing of trying to act like you're this morally um, superior, whatever they try to, you know, I'm more than Michigan men, except that's gone. And I, I told you this when it first started, it's, it's beating Ohio state the last two years, you beat Ryan day and you make the, some guys, you know, they, they stand on third, think they had a triple comment. You won, you know, you won because you cheated and then you talk shit about it. Mm-hmm. That's a different level for me where, if you win by cheating, then just shut up and go away quietly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, I mean, you, that tells me you don't feel bad about it. That tells me more about you as a person that you don't have any kind of remorse mm-hmm. for doing it wrong. I can, I can remember being 14 years old in my first high school match and having a kid, um, it, t- you know, we were, we were playing on our own. You guys, I don't know if you guys played, you know, high school golf, but, Kids, like, you know, I think I had a six and he had a seven. He's like, well, we put down a four and a five. And I was like, oh, okay. And you, you did it. I couldn't sleep the next day. I went to my coach the next day and told him about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's like, well, you know, he kind of gave me the, you know, I appreciate you bringing it. Don't do it again. But like, I couldn't be that person. Mm-hmm. And these guys are showing you very clearly because you've, and we've all seen the footage, we've all seen the videos, you know, the, the first, the first quarter play, you know, OSU Michigan. We go on Audible, and you look back, and their entire sideline, their players, their coaches, everybody is signaling. Everyone's in on this. They all know it. They've all been coached up. All the guys that are in the NFL now, everybody who's talking like this didn't happen, all of them know. And they collectively are just lying through their teeth. Yeah, They're all corrupt. And it, it, it blows my mind because they're just showing you their character. And to me, that's the biggest thing is now I know that I, I don't have to respect them at all. When it was Lloyd Carr's Michigan – I kind of respected them. I respected the way they ran their program. Mm-hmm. I didn't like them, but I respect I them. There's none. They're scum now. They, we, we used to joke call them scum. No, they are. What kills me is you're talking about they have no remorse. It sounds like they just don't care. No. What? And I, I shouldn't have used the word kill because the example I'm going to use, I always hate to see these court hearings where this terrible crime that's been committed, it's usually a murder. And the families are there of the victims, the actual victims in this particular case. And it, the, the guy or the girl or whoever committed the crime, they either laugh or they're like almost making fun of the grieving families and friends and the people that knew these victims. Because I, when you hear what they did, you're like, God, that's awful. How does someone do that? But then when you see someone almost proud of the crime and the heinous act that they've done, whatever they've committed, they're proud of it. 
you don't care at all. That that's unbelievable to me. They just don't care. And it's like the M stands for mockery at this point. And Tyler, I told you this, or maybe I told somebody this in my drunken stupor Saturday. I don't know how a Michigan fan with a heart. I don't know how Michigan fans can go to Penn state this past weekend or go to Maryland this weekend and truly feel proud of wearing maize and blue or an M anywhere on their bodies. Like when the last two years when we've lost to Michigan, and I'm not going to be the ignorant one to say we only lost because of the cheating. You know, some of these I'll idiots say are saying, say <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of it. When we've lost the last two years and I go to church the next day, I don't wear Ohio State stuff because you feel a bit of like embarrassment, but I can't wear Ohio State stuff. I, I don't feel like it's the right time. I don't feel like I can just support losing. But these idiots I saw watching the Penn State game in person, they're cheering. They're oblivious to the fact that this is a big deal. And hopefully, like Coach said, that they're going to come down on it. It sounds like they were not only coached on the signals that they were stealing. It sounds like they were coached on how to cover it up and act like they're the victim. And that might piss me off just as much. Uh, I would just ask this question to them, too. Or anyone else as a Michigan fan that is playing the victim card. When does your victim card have, what's the expiration date on that? How much longer can you use that? Does it expire at Thanksgiving? Like, I just want to know. Because you're kind of, the young kids use it. Is it called gaslighting? <laughs> is that what this is? Because I don't know. I don't the understand. Young kids use it. I, I'm I was, not a young I kid. I said this last week. Kyle McCord's not young and, and neither am I. Is that is that the definition of this? You do yeah. something wrong, but then you push the blame on someone else to make them feel bad about it. Is that what that is? Because if that's the, the case, I finally speaking. understood. I finally understood what gaslighting is. <laughs> and if that's the case, then thanks, Michigan, because I learned something today. It's just amazing to me that they're shoving blame on everybody else, not taking any accountability. And Santa Ono or Santa Claus, whatever the hell his name is, he should change his last name from Santa Ono to Santa Oh Shit because it's about to come down. Does this not? just feel like the Houston Astros in terms of the arrogance of, of players and admit and I think it's worse because it's a university and uh, maybe it's just because I've worked I've spent my whole career in higher ed but you just you want these places that are supposed to be places of higher learning to have a little bit more integrity because that's part of what we're trying to teach and to me from at least the two schools I've worked at that is part of what you're selling is you come here at 18, we know you have some growing up to do because you're 18 and everybody has some growing up to do. Nobody's proud of everything they did when they first got to college, but you really hope you've grown and had that transformation in your four years of college. Michigan's kind of just saying they don't give a crap about that, right? Is like, this is this is our way. This is like whoever said earlier, that whole Michigan man thing is, is done. It is. I, I, I guess you can't say, you know, we're Michigan men and have it mean honor anymore. That's gone. You've yeah. got to really try to rework that image, and it takes years and years and years. And do you have to disassociate yourself from a Harbaugh to, to do that? And people that are in this administration, because typically when these kind of scandals happen, you have to clean house. Mm -hmm. I do like that the NFL has kind of said he can't just run here like Pete Carroll did because he got out a year early from USC so he could avoid everything. 
I don't know that they'll actually hold them to it. I kind of still think Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears a year from now. <laughs> and which, oh, the irony, if Justin Fields is his starting quarterback a year from mm-hmm. now. The, the first thing I just keep thinking is it's the Astros. It's they're going to keep telling us they didn't do it. We all know they did it. The whole world knows they did it, but they're just going to keep saying we didn't do anything wrong. And and again, oh, woe is me. Why does everybody hate me? It, it's irritating. That's why I said two weeks ago, I'm just sick and tired of listening to this crap already. It yeah. sucks. Shep, I'm with you. Speaking of irony, and I, I just remember this line from a guy that I used to like. He worked at ESPN. Now he works at Fox in California. Colin Cowherd, I told you, ultimate stock falling at this point. Ironic enough, I remembered a line that he said on the radio while he was working at ESPN. The line was, life is a resume. Be careful what you put on it. For Jim Harbaugh, I kind of made the joke about the letter of recommendation taking to a first date, which, again, I still think it's a decent idea. Uh, (laughs) The next step is to try to actually get a date and test out the theory. I think it's so hard to come back from something that you've really jeopardized your reputation. It's really hard. You can build up your whole life for 50 some odd years of doing the right thing and doing good and helping out others. And you do one thing and it's a big thing. And all of a sudden that's what people remember and fair, unfair. I'm not here to debate that, but life is a resume. Be careful what you put on it. And I think for Jim Harbaugh and maybe for Michigan, what they've now put on their resume I think that's out the window. Tyler, I haven't forgotten about you, but I have one other thing I got to say. I've never been the guy, and I never will be the guy that wants Michigan. Coach and I are in agreement on this. I never want Michigan to be good coming into the game. I've never rooted for Michigan, ever. I want them to lose every game, every week, every year, forever. There's still people out there on the Ohio State side of this argument that wanted Michigan to win on Saturday. What the hell is wrong with you people? Why? It's for the rivalry. I don't give a shit. I asked. This is why I asked you guys the question last week. Do you think all of this happening will taint the rivalry and how it's viewed and maybe considered maybe the best ever? Do you think that falls from the top spot? I think it might. I'll take some pride in the fact that Michigan was the one that did it. But I will never be the one to root for Michigan For the sake of the rivalry, at the end of the day, I want Ohio State to win. And if it's easier to do so, and it's 63-3, to I'm going to be entertained and loving it. I don't want 42-39. to I don't want 14-9. to I want 63-3. to I don't understand that. Well, it's for the rivalry. Screw the rivalry. I Screw Michigan is what it should be. Forget the rivalry. If you beat them, you're good. That's why they're like, oh, well, if if Rutgers is in the top 25, that's going to help our resume. You know what helps your resume? Winning all of your games. And if Michigan sucks and it makes it easier to do so, that's what I'm for. I think for a lot of people, the last two years have changed their opinions on this. I think actually losing to them. Now, you are, you are absolutely somebody that I know was this way pre-us losing the last two years. But I think a lot of people's feelings on this changed after we just ho-hum kicked the crap out of them, it didn't matter, and you went into that game and maybe you, you didn't get as excited as, as as you would. And I'm not saying that's how I was, but that's, that piece of it, I think, hindsight's 2020 when you are coming off two losses yeah, and you just don't want to risk another one right now. I, I wouldn't say I rooted one way or the other on Saturday. I just want to beat them. But that said, 
I kind of would like to beat them if they're under while they're undefeated. What good? What good does them winning or losing do us? It doesn't. Maybe so this I, year is different. Yeah, this year is different, right? I just don't understand why you want someone as a rival. Like I wouldn't want. I'm thinking of a kid that I played basketball and baseball with in high school. Despise this kid. He's a real asshole. Probably still is. People don't change. I don't want them to succeed in sports against me. Like, I'll still be a sportsman and shake their hand afterwards. But I don't want them to be successful. Why would I want them to be good? I want them to suffer on the basketball court. I want them to have six errors at shortstop before the end of the third inning. This whole... I want them to be good for the rivalry. So when we beat them, it feels better. I, I didn't yell directly at you guys. I yelled at everybody after we lost last year. Do you feel better now? Do you like the fact that the rivalry is more esteemed in the national? Me- this is this is not better. If we win for the rest of my life and they're never close, that's better. Tyler, I need to cool off. What do you have to say? I have too much to say. So I'm I'm, I'm going to apologize to Shep before he gets there because I know that he's he's sick of hearing about it. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say something bad about Shep. Shep, go on mute. No, Shep, you're my homie. You're you're my guy. Um, <laughs> he's America's guy. He's America's guy. <laughs> so the the first thing I'm going to say is, and and I said this to somebody at your tailgate, and he looked at me like I had six eyes, but I stand by it. And when I say I don't care, I obviously mean I don't care because I'm going to be throwing up if we if we lose to Michigan. But Michigan this year could beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, and win the national championship. And I won't care because I firmly believe that this time next year, there's going to be a big fat asterisk next to every victory that they've had. Obviously, I want to I want to just beat the pulp out of them and, and go on and do all those things for Ohio State. But um would be kind of nice have, if we beat them and then they have to vacate all their wins and they go 0 and 1 this year. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, but looking at things, my my boss would be ashamed uh, at the amount of time that I've spent in the last 10 days reading Big 10 bylaws, NCAA bylaws, <laughs> sportsmanship. It's it's getting bad. But I I firmly believe that what the Big 10 did last Friday it it was shady. I'm not even gonna lie. It was it was a little bit uh, a little bit cowardly to wait until they're on the plane and to put awesome. down some sanctions. But it was awesome. It was good, awesome. Good for you. Good for you, Tony Petiti, like, my guy. You what made a man. fan out of me. I don't think that the Big Ten is done sanctioning for the 2023 season. I think there's going to be more to come in the next two weeks. I wouldn't even be surprised if the NCAA does something unprecedented and finishes an investigation before the year 2040 um, and put some kind of postseason ban on Michigan. The the thing that sticks out to me is this is not a problem of off the field conduct uh, or something that doesn't relate to the game. Like what happened with Ohio state with, with the tattoo gate scandal. This is active cheating the last two seasons, but this season as well. And that's one of the things that just blows my mind about Michigan fans right now is there is documented evidence. There is damning evidence against your school and your team that they were doing this this season. And if they hadn't been caught, they would still be doing it right now. So everything that happens this season and last season and the season prior to that for your school is null and void. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's it's all going to go away. And like you guys were talking, that's just the arrogance is just, and the victim mentality is just killing me right now because 
you cheated. Not once have you denied it and said, no, well, we didn't cheat. No, it's the, well, everybody else did it or, or we didn't, it's not that bad. And now the thing since Friday is the, oh, you got to wait for due process and, and let it, no, because it affects what's happening this season right now. You don't get due process. It's, it's affecting things that are going on as we speak. Yeah. So I applaud the Big Ten and Tony Petiti. And I, if anybody from the NCAA that has any pull in this happens to stumble across this podcast, for the love of God, do, do something it. now. Not just, not just because we all hate Michigan, but because it, it is affecting the integrity of a game that yeah. millions upon millions of people love. Um, so I think that regardless of what happens this season, Michigan is, is 100% screwed. Um, I think that, I mean, they, they, this warrants the death penalty. I mean, this is the worst cheating scandal that's ever come to NCAA football. Uh, I'd even say it's maybe worse than that. I mean, this is, this is premeditated three year deep cheating. So I think Michigan as a program is done. And I think to Shep's point and to, and to your point, brew Michigan as a university might be done. If just from a PR standpoint, if I were anybody with any sway in Michigan and this, this came out, the first thing I would do is say, Hey, we don't condone any of this. We don't know what's happening, but we don't condone it as a university. We're not okay with it. We're going to cooperate with all the investigations from the Big Ten and the NCAA, but we don't, as, as the University of Michigan, we're not okay with this. And then you distance yourself from everybody involved. So coaches, coordinators, indefinite paid suspension. Like you're still getting your paycheck. From a PR standpoint, Jimbo you have just to. Need to sit at home. Go ahead and do and, that. I mean, yeah. Remember all the guys that I've so, just loved over the years? Guys like uh, Chase Daniel and Udonis Haslam. Hey, these guys are riding the bench. They don't have to play. They're good teammates. They make millions. Jimbo Fisher's up there. $76 million to not do a damn thing. All on board for Jimbo. 180 here, but it's like uh, Coach O at uh, LSU. They came in. They told me I'm not going to be the coach anymore, but we're going to pay you your $65 million. I said, where's the door, man? Like, why not? That's that's awesome. Okay. That's a good coach O. That's a really Dude, good coach. You start throwing a Go Tigers in there, and you're and you got it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, cue it up, do it right now. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me, let me cue up coach here since we're talking coaches. Uh, I've got a tweet that I haven't shared with you, coach, and then I know you have a question coming from America's America's victim. He's he's changed his he's update. He's changed his Zoom name from America's <laughs> team. <laughs> To America's victim. I love it. I didn't even catch that. I saw AV. I didn't. I thought we were talking about the Adult Video Music Awards or something. There is another coach out there. I guess he was on coach's staff. He's now the head coach of Charlotte. He's the guy who looks like Larry the Cable Guy with like bigger nipples. And he doesn't wear sleeves. And on Twitter, I don't know if this is his real name or just what he goes by on Twitter. His name is Biff Pogey. Yeah. Does that sound right to somebody? He's also... Sounds made up, but it's real. Okay. Well, I guess that's his real name, Biff Pogey. That should have made the all-name team from a head coach standpoint. But he he had this to say. I guess he wanted to stay silent for a couple of weeks. He said, I have been quiet on the Michigan situation, but no longer. He's also terrible at punctuation, so take this for what it's worth. I was closer to Jim Harbaugh over the last three years than anyone except his wife and kids. No capital on the next start of a sentence and no space between period and I. If Jim knew, I would have known. I didn't know, and neither did he. I stake my reputation on it. Someone in the NCA needs to hold him to this tweet. Then he says, stop whining and get a better team. 
all I did in response was I quote tweeted and said, stop cheating and get a better team. Biff pokey. Now America's victim, also a former coach with compassion and with a conscience and with the idea of what's right and wrong is America's victim. Darren Jones coach. What's your question? So, first of all, the, the whole idea of how they're doing this with <clears throat> like the producing the card that, you know, Purdue used was produced by what one of Jack Harbaugh's former associates. And, you know, it's, it's all this like, Oh, I know him and I would never say anything untrue about my best friend. Yeah, sure. Okay. Here, here's, here's one of the things that's a, a weird thing I, I've, I've had this thought of. And I mean, we can keep talking about Michigan, but you know, the evidence is coming out that, they may have fed this information to South Carolina to influence the outcome of the Tennessee game, the Clemson game. You look at the deflection and all this pushing off and pushing off. I firmly believe Michigan knows they're cooked, but if they can somehow get to bowl season, get a cash in, get $10 million, you know, get the, just get to the bowl, get the bowl money. I mean, it still is a business for them. The question I have is, and your guys thoughts on this, if you're an administrator at Clemson or something like that, and you look back and you look at the NCAA stuff and it says, yes, they cheated and they cost you a bowl spot. Are you in your right to sue Michigan for that bowl money from last year to say, I, I want my $15 million cut that should have been ours. And we were over at the citrus bowl instead of in the playoffs, give me my playoff money that you stole. They need to have a heavy fine. Anything they earn from this financially because this, this doesn't influence play. It's not like we're paying a player, they bring in, they have to play heads up. I, I don't like that, but it happens. You change the outcome of games, of the playoffs, of everything, the entire integrity. And you got your ass beat so hard for over a decade that you forfeit a game in 2020 and then come up with a, a scheme to basically blow up the integrity of college football over two years. Yeah, And the yeah. best you can manage was being good. I think I brought this show up from way back in the day from ESPN, the show Numbers Never Lie. Fantastic show. If you're a stats guy, it was your favorite show on TV. A guy on Twitter by the name of Kyle Lamb also has a check mark, so apparently that makes him qualified, but I, I trust him here. Coach shared the tweet with me back on October the 21st saying, here's the deal. Michigan under Jim Harbaugh from 2015 through the 2020 season was 32-38-1 and one against the spread. Shep knows all about this. So Shep's our resident better. Nobody so, beats Vegas. Can't. You'll never beat Vegas. You can't. No, that's why good gamblers are like 54%. It's not, you're not beating yeah. Vegas. Yep. So the numbers, 2015 through 2020, 32, 38, and 1 against the spread. Kyle Lamb goes on. Published reports have the video surveillance sign stealing beginning in 2021. Michigan against the spread from 2021 through this season. Now, this was a couple of weeks ago. 22-11-2. Think critically. Second tweet. For some context of Michigan becoming a juggernaut at exceeding Vegas expectations since 2021. Again, 22-11-1. Georgia in that time, 20-17. Alabama, 19-16. Oklahoma, 17, 14, and one. Ohio State, 14, 16, and one. And Clemson, 14, and 19. Something really crazy, he says. Michigan is 17, 5, and two against the spread against the Big Ten since 2021. In that time period when they were terrible, 
2015 to 2020, they were 25, 25, and one. And Coach's text read exactly what he just said. You don't beat Vegas. Cheaters do. Jim Harbaugh is at fault for a lot, whether he knew or not. Uh, Something else we can add to the penalty. Uh, He's cost the last segment one of our esteemed co-hosts. We've talked so much about this jack wagon that Tyler had to uh, excuse himself and to relieve, uh, I guess, babysitting duties from, I think he said his mom, because we talked too much about this. But he did say the conversation is just too good. It is. It's also sad we have to take up this whole fun show on this asshole. Uh, I only have one more thing to bring up from a question standpoint, and only one other point that I want to bring up in regards to the punishment. Uh, I think you both or I guess all three of you are right. I think the punishment's going to be pretty hard. Uh, but we were talking about the punishment, and Coach, I'm trying to find the response. I think I found it right here. In regards to the punishment has to equal the crime. And Michigan keeps talking about, well, it's setting a bad precedent for the future. I tweeted to coach privately. I said, Michigan is really now doing the ABCs of being guilty and being caught. They're accusing and arguing. They're blaming. They're complaining. They're denying and defending. And they're making excuses. It's exactly what they're doing. It's not their fault. It's everybody else's fault. And they're making excuses. You started this whole thing. The precedent now just has to match what you've done. There was no precedent for this type of cheating before. They're trying to blame the NCAA and the Big Ten for something for something that they did. We have another update here. More, more breaking news. <laughs> Coach, Coach has had a lot of name changes today. He's trying to stay incognito. If Connor Stallions did what Coach has done tonight on the Zoom, he would have not gotten caught. Coach, Coach started with America's team on the Zoom. Then he went to America's victim. <laughs> now, now he's changed it to death penalty enthusiast. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. In case you're wondering where I stand on their punishment. <laughs> <laughs> you're like Ron White. Everyone's against the death penalty. And we in Texas, we have the death penalty and we use it. <laughs> That's coach. But... <clears throat> Michigan is is set the precedent here and they've they've set the bar and now the NCAA and the Big Ten they have they have to match it. The penalty has to fit the crime. So when coach and I were tweeting back and forth about the punishment what we think should come down versus maybe what will actually come down, I thought the Big Ten would go easy on. I thought it'd be a slap on the wrist. Hey, you, know, you shouldn't do that, Jimmy. You know, next time you know, make better decisions. So I am very proud of of the Big Ten for at least what they tried to do. Coach, you asked, hey, I have another question for the group. My question, again, hypothetically, if this decision can't be appealed or reviewed, why are they having a court hearing on the same day the podcast comes out? Does anyone know? So, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm seriously yeah. confused. If the, well, the podcast is, part made me laugh. <laughs> what's all oh, the, the same day? Yeah. Made me laugh. I, I, and maybe we need a lawyer on here, but I don't understand, like, Coach, if you're punishing your kids, we're not going to discuss it. Our decision as parents is final. And then on the next day, you're like, guys, let's have a discussion about your punishment. I'll tell you right now. I think I think they're 
they, they've set this out from the beginning. If you look at even when this was first coming out and their regents all met and then their some of the guys from their board went out on Twitter and started just talking shit and their corporate lawyers, I immediately got that sense like we're going to take the lawyer approach. It's not whether we're guilty. It's whether we can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you what, something with this that I, I really do believe. Um, and this is, I don't know, you know what kind of work experience you guys have had, but there's this thing where, you know, you have an employee who maybe messes up, right? If they're a good employee, get along with everybody, they they have a, a good working relationship with everybody, you tend to bring them in and say, hey, man, you screwed up, don't do this, et cetera, et cetera. If the guy is somebody who's always late, missing work, he's a prick, no one gets along with him, you fire him. You see this a lot of times, and I even remember this with, you know, we had coaches in even at the golf level where they maybe did some shady stuff every now and then, and it was it was little stuff, and they they try to you know you and their player would hit a ball to the right, and there'd be a puddle like 20, 30 yards away, and they're like oh maybe it was lost in that water, and you'd be like shut up, knock it off. You'd have other people who would do little scummy stuff, you like burn them, report them, just destroy them. Harbaugh, the kind of person he is, he is burned bridges everywhere he goes. He's constantly a pain in the ass to everybody everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. He has no good working relationships with anybody, and uh, you know you look at. You know, the way that they've come on him, but also Michigan, the way they are responding to this is 100% the wrong way. If you want the NCAA to not murder you, the way you're pushing back on everything, the way you're trying to be a victim, the way you're trying to do the PR game, the way you're trying to put it out in the public, I think you're begging them to say, oh, oh, you think we're being unfair? I'll show you unfair. I mean, you get what you get what you put out there, right? Everyone at Michigan's like, oh, I can't believe what a what a dick move the Big Ten did by suspending him while in flight. Yeah, you think that you think the Big Ten's bad? They have no idea. They're gonna beg for the Big Ten when the NCAA decides. Oh, we've decided what we're gonna do. Uh, so that was my question. I I don't understand how something that the Big Ten says can't be appealed is now being tried in court, which you've lost all trust. And credibility and you know the benefit of the doubt is not going to Michigan anymore. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the judge over he- overseeing this hearing on Friday is a Michigan guy that teaches and speaks on law at Michigan. Wonder what side he's gonna be on. Well, there was a first one, and then the second one, that one recused himself, then it went to another one. I, I mean, I see this being one of those where if the appeal gets if, if they if they if they get to you know put a restraining order in. It'll be appealed and appealed and appealed, and it's it's just pushing it around. It's it's what you said about like the rich kid who's just like you know just you know who my dad is. Mm-hmm. They're they're just trying to stack the deck in the best way where they can get away with with a crime, really. Uh, so we were talking about. I I told you about this guy that was in high school. He's a real, he's a real Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and I like, and I, I like turning that into. A descriptor for people. He's yes. a real Jim Harbaugh. That was good. That'll catch on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to go viral, just like Colin Cowherd. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that the punishment needs to fit the crime in anything, because at the end of the day, if you're a parent or a teacher or the Big Ten slash NCAA, you want to make sure that the punishment fits the crime to deter anyone else from ever thinking of doing it again. So I have an example of where I screwed up. It was in high school, and and I. I sent this to coach. I'm going to read it verbatim just so I don't screw it up. I said, I just don't see how something this widespread, this whole cheating scandal can be treated lightly 
I remember growing up, our punishments from my parents fit the crime, and they always said, how else will you learn? There was a basketball game in high school where my brother got cross-checked in the neck during the opening jump. The kid was so overmatched, he chose to play, in quotes, football on the basketball court. This is the same kid that I that I referenced earlier. Not a fan of him. I won't say his name because he'll listen to it and he'll cross-check me in the neck. After he cross-checked my brother in the neck, I said, almost injured my brother and another kid throughout the game. I chose and avoided the handshake line, and my parents saw that and didn't allow me to go out with my golf teammates to Eddie George's restaurant later that night. Needless to say, I was always in line and showed up and showed sportsmanship every game thereafter. I said, if the NCAA doesn't set a precedent with this, more will get not only more creative with their sign stealing, but also better at covering their tracks. I'll tell you this. Nobody's perfect. We're going to screw up. The chance to not make that same mistake again is to learn from your mistakes. And then it's not a mistake. It's a life lesson. But at some point, someone's got to come down on someone in America and hold people responsible. You can't go looting a store and be celebrated because, oh, we need to get ours. That's not going to deter the action. It's going to support it. Well, I got to get mine. I'm owed something. If Michigan is going to do this, you're going to have to come down hard on them or they're not going to learn. Or another school is going to say, well, this is how Michigan did it. This is how stupid they were in getting caught. Let's change our name to death penalty enthusiast when we go on Ticketmaster so we don't get caught. Because I learned my lesson. Not only was I always in the sportsmanship line and the handshake line, I was first in line. I may not have been happy that I lost. I may not have liked the people that I lost to, but I was first in line. Why? Because my parents said, you're not going out with your teammates to the Eddie George restaurant. I was going to get his autograph that night. So that I was in my room. I was pissed. But guess what? I learned the lesson, and I never did that again. And if the NCAA, if they're the good parent or the good coach, you got to come down hard on them to teach them a lesson and make sure everyone else doesn't do this again. The NCAA, though, has never proven they'll do this death penalty type thing to a P5. The SMU thing is is they were fringe enough that you could make that happen. Yeah. If they come down on Michigan, the NCAA is actually proving they actually they want to be the disciplinarian parent. And I am very skeptical that'll ever actually happen. I think Harbaugh will get will get sent away. They'll have some probation type stuff, but a full blown death penalty, I'm real skeptical that it happens. I, I hope I'm wrong. If I had to put money on it, it's it's through legalese and whatever, I think the season will play out. Yep. I think they'll, they'll play the postseason and everything. In the postseason, I think Harbaugh's gone, show cause. His assistant coaches, show cause. They'll be out of instantly coaching. I think you could have penalties on this CM, CMU coach. Michigan will have to vacate two years of women's probably. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get a one-year, maybe two-year bowl ban, and I think they'll get a scholarship reduction for a couple of years. And that's that'll be the end of it. Maybe a fine. That's I agree. Yeah, that's probably and and sadly, that's probably fair. Um I it, like Tyler's he he brought a good point. I, I won't feel bad if they lose this year. I truly believe in Ann Arbor. I think they will still try to find a way to cheat. I have no I don't trust them anymore. I think they will try to pick up our radio signals. They will do something to do something scummy, cheating. There's no trust factor ever again there. Yep. You can sit back and go. 
oh, I know why we lost. I, I, there's there's zero bad feelings about those losses because you know why they happened. You can't prove that your your athlete was a good athlete. You've put doubt into all of their performances. You put doubt in there. Aiden Hutchinson, was he really that good in college or was he, did he just know every single time where the play was going? I don't know, but you, you've brought that into it. That's the disservice they talk about. Well, what about these kids? we got to let the kids play out. You have tainted the legacy of all your players. The, the way they cheated was like the, the kid that is failing all his tests and then all of a sudden gets the 100 and the teacher's like, what the hell? How did you possibly get a 100? You, yeah. ne- you get a 62 on all of my tests. Oh, you sat next to, to little Susie, who's the smart kid in the class. Makes sense. And whether you actually studied and worked your butt off or not, like you said, we're going to question every single person, yeah. coach, result, all of that because of the fact that, like you said, we get to that point where you're like, how did they possibly know that play was coming there? Here we are. It's not just Ohio State fans. You hear Penn State talk about it. You hear Rutgers talk about it. The first two people to sniff this out were two guys with NFL experience and Malzahn and um, and Shiano. They yeah, saw it. Yeah. They knew it. They commented on it. You hear other coaches commenting on it. They're looking at it. And I like James Franklin talked about that. He says, hey, we go in and we do film review. Like, man, we were set up for We were showing, you know, we're stacked up. We're going to run. And they're set up like we're going to throw. Like, they know what we're doing. There's more people talking. Yeah, he's like, it's all getting thrown back on Ohio State fan. Michigan's anger is so misplaced, and they have no clue like how much bigger this is and how many more people know what they were doing. It, it's it's wild to me. I want to know what bet means. I don't know if the Michigan kids know this, but if they continue to bet on games, that too is an NCAA violation. I'm just I'm looking out for them because maybe they haven't been taught by these leaders at Michigan. But if you continue to bet on games, that too is an NCAA violation. Uh, But you bring up James Franklin. I find it interesting that in the last two weeks, former coordinators from Ohio State have been fired. Alex Grinch at USC couldn't couldn't stop a runny nose at USC. And then uh, Mike Yurchich from uh, from Penn State this week after I think Penn State had 150 yards of offense. I know they didn't have much more against Ohio State, but good God, man. I would ask the question, and I'm not harping on Penn State, but I would just ask this question. Are Penn State fans accepting of the fact that you are the third best team in the East, always going to go 10-2, and 50-50 chance of winning a bowl game, and just never beating Ohio State and Michigan? James Franklin comes from Vanderbilt, who are just full of geniuses, and they claim him to be one as well. But I'm of the belief that every time he's in an Ohio State or a Michigan game, he is the one that steps in front of victory and costs them the win. But he just steps in front of these games where it's like you're up 12 points with four minutes left. Why are you throwing the ball? Like he he tries to show off how smart he is and he comes off like a moron. But I have to believe at some point Penn State fans are going to say enough is enough because James Franklin in 10 years is one and nine against Ohio State. Three and seven against Michigan and three and 18 against top 10 teams in the AP. If you're trying to take the next step, how many more years are you going to be given to try to take that step? At some point, you got to jump in the pool. So, James Mm -hmm. Franklin, I I think at some point's got to go, just like coach, he needs to go too. I do have one last, it's an acronym, but I need your help with the last letter. 
This is everything that I think Michigan is going to sacrifice in terms of their reputation when all of this is said and done. The acronym is Michigan. Morality, integrity, class, honor, intelligence, glory, being admirable, but I can't think of something that starts within. So I need your help before we go. Notoriety. You remember you remember when you were a kid and somebody would be like, oh, you're really cool. Not. Nah. There's your end. Because all, all their kids that can't get scholarships anymore are going to sacrifice NIL money. <laughs> oh, that's I like them all. I, I just think the Michigan man, it, it's, it's it's a different dead. Michigan man. Let's be honest. If you can't accept the truth and it's the truth, that's on you. Well, that about wraps it up, folks. Thanks to my company today. For Chris Shepner, Tyler Reed, and Darren Jones, I'm Matt Brubaker. The soundtrack for the show is brought to you by PremiumBeats.com. Please like, subscribe, and follow me on the Twitter machine, personal at MattBrew3, the show at Brew & Company. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, life isn't about the people you meet, but about the company you keep. Until next payday, cheers. Cheers.